Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household, you're doing well in God's blessings. Praise the Lord. We are in the subject of the blood covenant, and uh, we were talking about uh, about why the new, the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant. And I have given you seven reasons so far, and I'm going to continue with that. And reason number eight, why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant is that the old covenant was established while the new covenant is in force today. The old covenant was, uh, was abolished. The old covenant was abolished uh, while the new covenant is in force today. And Hebrews chapter eight, verse 13 says, in that he says a new covenant he has made the first old. Now that which decays and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And uh, uh, this is like from the King James, but the same verse uh, from the Amplified Version, which kind of expands it a little bit more and, you know, gives us a better understanding of the words. It says, when God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, out of use. And what is obsolete, out of use, and annulled because of age is ripe for disappearance and to be dispensed with altogether. Now, this is interesting. It says that uh, if, if you look at the verse in the King James, it says uh, in that he says, that is God says, a new covenant, he has made the first told. So, you know, it's common sense. When, when you make something new, it is new. And what happens to the old? Well, the old one uh, it becomes old because there's a new one. Because as if there's no new one, and that's the only covenant in force, it it remains as the only covenant there is. But when a new covenant comes, it makes the old one obsolete. So that is the thing, because God would not give a new covenant if the old covenant was still good. So it says that, uh, it says, and, and going to the Amplified, so when God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete or out of use. And this is very important for us to understand that for us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we are new covenant believers. We are under the new covenant. And so when we look at the old covenant, although it was of God, it is obsolete. It is gone. It is, it, it is fading away, if, if you may put it that way. It's out of use. And so the old covenant, it really means, it doesn't mean anything to us because we are in the new covenant. And the new covenant includes everything that the old covenant has, except it's far better and far greater. And the main thing about the new covenant is that the old covenant was cut with the blood of bulls and goats and animals and circumcision, you know, by cuts and, and the blood of men that were shed at circumcision and all that. But the new covenant is cut in the blood of Jesus. The new covenant was, uh, the old covenant was dependent upon man's works, but the new covenant is, uh, it depends upon the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. The old covenant, it was totally based upon, uh, you know, it was God on one side and, and the Israelites on the other side who were, who were sinful human beings, if, as I must say, unredeemed human beings. But the new covenant uh, is between the Father and the Son who lives forevermore. And Jesus Christ is the guarantor as the, or the surety 
of the new covenant. So that is why the old covenant is for us, it's obsolete. But of course, for a Jewish person who doesn't know Christ, who doesn't have the revelation of Christ, and who doesn't believe in Jesus, because if you ask the average Jewish person what he thinks about Jesus, I mean, they really think nothing of him. Uh, for, for many, you know, when I was in Israel, I asked our Jewish guide, and he was a great guy. I, and he, I think he believed in Jesus because he spoke very respectfully of Jesus. So uh, he, I asked him, I said, well, well what do these people, the, the guys in the black hats, you know, these orthodox people, what do they think of Jesus? They said, well, they have different thoughts. Some of them think he was a false prophet uh, who led people astray. Others say that, well, he was one of the many, many, many people in the history of Judaism who have come out and, and portrayed themselves as something special. You know, there's, there was tons of preachers like him. Um, back in those days and he they look at him as one of them but they don't think of him as being unique um, in that sense but he was unique in the sense that he did get a huge following that all the Christians follow him so uh, it came forward it came forth in his conversation that that the Jews they don't regard the New Testament as the word of God they don't regard Jesus as the Messiah or as the Son of God and so as a consequence, they don't think of the new covenant as something from God. It's like nothing for them, but they have their own covenant. They have their old covenant. So what we called an, the old covenant for them is not an old covenant. It is the only covenant there is. And so we must keep that in mind because that's why they look at their covenant. They say that is our covenant because they don't say it's an old covenant because there is no new as far as they're concerned. It's the only covenant there is. But for us as Christians, we don't uh, view uh, you know, the things of God from the lens of Judaism. We don't view uh, you know, these things through the lens of Judaism. Although Jesus was a Jew, and the roots of our faith are found in the, in the Judaic tradition. That is true, and the apostles were Jewish and all that. And we, we believe that the Old Testament scriptures are, are the word of God. But that being said, we don't view the things of faith through the lens of Judaism. And that's why we don't think it's important for us to, you know, discover our Jewish roots. Yeah, it's good for us to know our Jewish roots in the sense that we must understand the Old Testament scriptures and what God says and it's good to know the laws and the commandments because they are our frame of reference but that doesn't mean that we we go into Judaism into uh, in, into Judaic traditions and practices as if uh, they're the ones who make Christianity what it is no Christianity is actually what we call Christianity uh, is in because the Bible doesn't talk about Christianity. The Bible just talks about followers of Jesus uh, because Christianity is the name of a religion. But really, what we call Christianity is not a religion. It is it is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And there's no traditional. You know, nobody's born a Christian. In in Christianity, the Christian faith is not a faith of traditions and rules and regulations, you know, with its own hierarchy. And we don't look back to our past and we don't build monuments and all that. We don't. We have a relationship with the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his shed blood. And that's it for us. That's what it's all about. So, so the new covenant is 
is, is, is the foundation for that relationship we had with Jesus Christ. So that's why, because we don't look at uh, uh, the matters of faith through the lens of Judaism, although we, uh, we, we, we respect and honor the Old Testament as the word of God, we study the Old Testament, we study the prophets, the laws and the commandments, and for us, they are the word of God, uh, but we don't Judaize our faith because that was one of the things that Paul uh, really, uh, I don't want to use the word fought, but yeah, that was one of the things he spoke strongly against in the book of Galatians about people who were trying to Judaize our, Judaize our faith. So that's why it's very important for us to understand from our perspective that the Old Testament is, it says, it is, obs the old, no, sorry, I don't mean the Old Testament, the book that is still the word of God, but I'm talking about the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant is obsolete and the New Covenant stands because um, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant are not contrary to each other, but what it is, is actually, if you, in my words, in my layman's terms, I would explain it that this way, that you have the Old Covenant, right? And... Uh, but the old covenant was inherently weak because although it was a great covenant, but it was, uh, it, it was always broken by the, by the faithlessness of the people with whom God made the covenant. But the new covenant contains all the blessings of the old covenant. It contains everything that is in the old covenant, but it cannot be broken as through the blood of Jesus. And there are elements in the new covenant that are far more wonderful than in the Old Covenant. So you can say, in a way, you can say it's an upgraded, I don't want to use those terms, but if you want to understand it this way, it's an upgraded, enhanced, and greatly expanded um, uh, thing from the Old Covenant. And the New Covenant is not just for us heathen who have come from nowhere and come and know God through Jesus Christ, but it's also for the Jews because God said to the prophet Jeremiah prophesied, God said, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel. So the new covenant that we have is actually primarily first, not primarily, but first of all, for, for Israel, for the Israelites, and then for the Gentiles, because even Paul said, uh, that the, uh, in, in, in Romans 1, you know, when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus because it is the power of God unto uh, salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. So even the gospel itself is for the Jew first and then for the rest of us. So uh, we always have to remember, keep that in perspective, that uh, the people of the old covenant are God's people, but we have to remember that God doesn't want to leave Jews as Jews, you know, and uh, uh, so because you see, a Jew cannot have a relationship with God through without the blood of Jesus, because no man, Jesus said, no man can come to the Father but by me. A person can be a good Jew, a believing Jew, uh, a right living Jew, but he cannot have that relationship with God. He cannot approach God as his Father because he's still living in the old. He must come to the new because the new covenant is for him. Is for the Jew first and then for people like you and me who, who came from outside. And it says, we who were far off, we have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. So anyway, but I'm trying to explain to you a little bit, you know, the thing between the old and the new covenant. So it says, 
in the in the amplified says when god speaks of a new covenant or agreement he makes the first one obsolete or out of use and that which is obsolete out of use then annulled because of age is ripe for disappearance and to be dispensed with altogether that means the old testament it's no i'm sorry i'm mixing up my words not the old not the book the old testament that is still valid is still the word of god it still speaks to us today but the old covenant i'm sorry for the mix up the old covenant is obsolete and it's to be dispensed with altogether and the, the new covenant is in place okay so in ephesians 2 13 to 20 it says but now in christ jesus you who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh, nigh for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the father now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellowships with this fellowship fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of god and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets jesus christ being uh, the chief cornerstone now this is interesting because here it says in Ephesians 2 in verse 13, it says, But now in Jesus Christ, you who were far off, we have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. So we who were Gentiles, you know, heathens, we have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. And it says, then he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. It's interesting that now it is not saying that he has brought the Jews near to us, but we have been brought near. Right, because the Jews were already God's people, we were not God's people, but now we have been brought here and brought near, and we are God's people because this for He Himself is our peace, who has made both one that means Jesus is our peace, and He has made the Jews uh, and the Gentiles when the Jews come to Jesus. Okay, He's not talking about unsaved Jews, He's talking about when Jews come to Jesus and the Gentiles come to Jesus, we too become one. There is no there is no difference. And that is one thing uh, I find it hard to accept because I have friends in Israel. They say, oh, yeah, we are we are uh, we are uh, messianic or we are Jewish believers and you're a Gentile believer. I'm sorry, but the Bible doesn't make that distinction. It doesn't talk. So it's like almost like saying that, oh, uh, he's a black believer and white believer and Chinese believer. The Bible doesn't make any racial or any ethnic or any biological distinction that, you know, but the Bible says we are one body. So whether we were Jews or we were Gentiles, we all come together through Jesus. We, nobody can come to God without Jesus. So, but when we come to the Father through Jesus, so suddenly we are one body. We are, we are no longer Jews. We are no longer Gentiles. Uh, we are no longer Chinese or black or white or brown, but we are one body. And says, he's our peace who has made both one, you know, both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition uh, between us. That, that wall that divided Jews and Gentiles uh, that, you know, that the Gentiles would look at, oh, they're Jews and the Jews would say, oh, these people are Gentiles. That wall has broken. So that's why there should be no, oh, Jewish believer and uh, 
Gentile believers. No, there's no such things. We are one body. Then it says, verse 15, having established, abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself twain one man so making peace. So what he has done, God, is Jesus, through Jesus, in the body of Jesus upon the cross, it says that when he, uh, you know, he, um, in, in, in Colossians 2, 14 and 15, it says that having taken, you know, the things that were written against us were the law, he nailed the law of Moses to the cross. And that which, that was one of the things that divided the Jews and the Gentiles because they had the law, we didn't have the law. And so they were, they, they were people of the law and we were, we didn't have any laws. You know, we didn't have the Jewish laws. So that is one of the reasons why Paul was so dead against uh, this whole thought that well when 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 Jews become Christians they should keep the Old Testament laws he, he didn't because that would divide us because the law suddenly began to divide us that within the body of Christ there were two bodies one of those one part of the body was subject to the law who lived under the law the others didn't but he he, he took that away and he says that because um, he abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So what he did, uh, you know, he took the law and the commandments and nailed it to the cross. He removed it out of the way. So it's totally by faith alone. It's totally by faith alone in the shed blood of Jesus. So neither the Jew nor the Gentile is under obligation to uh, please God, to be accepted by God, by his keeping the works of the law of Moses, but we are both saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he says, verse 16, that he might reconcile both unto God, that Jesus, he wanted to reconcile the Jews and the Gentiles both into God uh, through the cross, having slain the enmity, taking away the difference between us. And he came and preached peace to you, which were far off and those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So it's interesting, as I said to you, that a person, just because he's a Jew, he doesn't have access to the Father, but we have access to the Father through the blood of Jesus. So he says, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So if a Jew or, a, or, or someone like me, when we come to the Father, we both come to the same door. That is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the door. So we come to Jesus, we come to the Father the same way. And so then it says, now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners. You are no longer outsides, but you're fellow citizens. We are all citizens and we are part of the household of God. Doesn't matter what our background is, uh, whether we are, as I said, irrespective of our color or our heritage or lineage or whatever it is. We are all citizens of the household of God and we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the foundation of the apostles and the prophets is Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It says Jesus Christ himself be the chief cornerstone because the apostles and the prophets, the foundation they laid was Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. So we are all built upon that foundation and that is, so we are one household. It is the household of faith. And when we come to the household of faith, we are all part of God's family. We are all God's children because we have all come to the Father through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So anyway, so past that, let's look at point number nine. Uh, point number nine, the ninth reason why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant. Amen. 
is that uh, the new covenant, the, I'm sorry, the old covenant brings a curse while the new covenant redeems from the curse. The, new, the old covenants brings a curse while the new covenant redeems from the curse. Galatians 3, 10 to 13. It says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. For that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for that just shall live by faith. Because the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live in them. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now this is interesting that the old covenant brings a curse while the new covenant redeems from the curse. So it says, As many are as of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, this, this is most interesting because what it says is this, that uh, you see, when you, when, when you give yourself to, uh, to live under the works of the law, to do the works of the law, and then the, the, the Bible actually says that then you're obligated to the whole law. To the entire law. You, you cannot take a part of the law and say, well, I will keep this law, and but, but these laws uh, I'm not interested in. I'll keep those laws. Now, we don't have that choice. So the thing is that once you uh, go under the law of Moses, you're obligated to keep the whole law 100%. Now, this is what the scripture teaches, okay? And then it says, but if you break one of the littlest of the laws, then you're guilty of breaking the whole law because God doesn't look at degrees of, of sin. For him, sin is sin. Whether it's a little sin or a big sin, in his eyes, it is enough to condemn a man. And, you know, uh, God doesn't sentence people depending upon the degree of the gravity of sin. Uh, when he says, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God doesn't mean everyone has done uh, really bad things. He says you have to, the slightest transgression is enough to condemn a man because in the eyes of God, a transgression is a transgression, no matter what the degree of gravity of the transgression. So, so what he's saying is that, uh, uh, he's, he says, when you live under the, under, uh, you know, under the law, he said, then you have to continue in the law and you have to keep the whole law. And, and uh, but if you break one of those laws, suddenly you come under the curse. And Deuteronomy 28 tells of the curse. And the curse is poverty, disease, and death. And death is, uh, you know, there's two kinds of death. One is physical death, and the other is eternal separation from God, uh, which is far worse. So what happens is that um, the moment you put yourself under the law, you become obligated to keep the whole law. And once you are an obligate, and, uh, you know, obligate yourself to keep the whole law, then what happens is that you come under, uh, under condemnation. You are cursed automatically. That is why he says, for as many are, as are of the works of the law are under the curse. That means Paul is saying that right from the onset, the moment you decide, okay, I'm going to put myself under the law, you can take one thing from, for granted because then you, you can assume and correctly and you know 100% because you're going to be under a curse because, because it says, because nobody, nobody can ever 
be justified under the law. The Bible tells us several times that nobody, nobody has ever made it and has kept the law. So now I must add something here. That is why it is a very dangerous thing for Christians to play around with the law. Some people think that it enhances their Christian experience to take certain elements of the law and incorporate it into their Christian practice. And uh, there's people who try to Judaize their Christianity by taking certain aspects of the law and uh, Judaic practices and, you know, practice them in church, practice them in their personal lives. And, and uh, like, for example, I know this one guy, he told me, oh, my wife keeps a kosher kitchen. And, you know, and, and for him, uh, I, I don't know how he's thinking, but the, but the whole thing is that the moment you go under those things, you cannot, you and I do not have the, um, have the, uh, the luxury of choosing what parts of the law we want to practice, but we have to practice the whole law. So that's why it's better not to go under it at all, but to trust fully in Jesus. Because it says in verse 11, for no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. So we have two ways of living. One is living under the law and the other is live by faith. Other is live by faith totally. And not you can't mix the law and faith. The Romans says it very clearly. You cannot, you know, if it's of the law, then it's not of grace because then the law wouldn't be law. But if it's of grace, it cannot be under the law because then grace is no more grace. You have to keep the two hundred percent separate. You cannot mix them. So what happens is that uh, the moment, you know, someone like me, I give myself under the law. I'm going to keep this law of Moses. It looks nice and I'm going to practice it in my church. What happens? I'm under obligation to keep the whole law. And then in Galatians, it also says that if you give yourself to the law, it says Christ is of no effect in your life. That means the sacrifice of Jesus has, you. I mean, it has no effect on your life because you have chosen to turn your back on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and chosen to go under the law of Moses. So it says, verse 12, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. He said, the law has nothing to do with faith, but if you choose the law, you have to live under the law. And so it says, verse 13, and this is the strongest argument why we should not live under the law. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because he became a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That means that when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, he became a curse for us. Because the scripture says, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. So when Jesus hung upon the cross, he became a curse for you and me. He delivered us, redeemed us from the curse so that we no longer have to serve God under the law. We no longer have to keep the laws of Moses for any reason whatsoever, but we are completely free and, and totally free to serve God by faith and by faith alone. And that is the wonderful thing about serving God through Jesus Christ, because through Jesus, we have access to God and we serve God by faith and not by the works of the law. And that is one of the reasons why the new covenant 
is far superior to the old covenant and that is why there's such a dividing line between the old and the new that is why we have to forsake the old and live in the new because you can't live in that old stuff you cannot live under judaic practices and you know and, and incorporate them you can't we have to keep the law and grace and uh, the law and faith uh, separate because faith and grace uh, are based on what Jesus has done for us upon the cross. Well, God bless you, and I will see you again tomorrow, but let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray a blessing upon everyone who's hearing my voice. Let your hand of mercy be upon them. Use them mightily for your glory. Bless their household in Jesus' name. Amen.